Hello all, welcome or welcome back to And Everything In Between. I'm your host, Mela. I know I mentioned in the last episode how I was wanting to make a website for And Everything In Between because the Instagram page didn't really work out and that's okay. I just don't, I just can't keep up with Instagram. So I'm actually making, it's kind of a blog where I think for certain episodes, if I have more I want to say that I didn't think of during that episode, I'll write like a little blog post. And then of course you can listen to the episodes on the website and then it'll have contact information. Um, If you're new to listening, you can get to know me or whatever. So I thought that would be really fun and it's a good project for me to do over winter break. So hopefully that'll be up within the next week or so, next two weeks maybe. But yeah, I've been working at it and I am pretty proud of it because I'm not a tech person. I think I'm resourceful when it comes to tech, but I'm not like a coding person. So I'm not using like a coding format or anything. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, Let's just dive right into today's episode, which is playing an instrument and a little bit about the movie La La Land. How do these two subjects connect? Let me tell you. I have been playing the piano. If you didn't know, I play the piano, obviously. But I've been playing the piano a lot recently because of the movie La La Land. And if you don't know the movie La La Land, it stars Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, I'm pretty sure. And I watched it the other night. The other night meaning probably like a week ago or six days ago, five days ago, something like that. But I watched it very recently, and when I tell you this movie, La La Land, is probably the best movie I've ever watched in my entire life, I mean it. I was a little skeptical at first because of the intro being a musical number. I was a little worried. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily like this because I don't like musicals. I don't like singing. I don't really, I'm not into that. But this movie so much more and I think the musical elements actually added to some of the themes and I'm going to kind of dive into those themes later on in the episode. But overall, the movie was amazing and I think I had this like wow moment, like this out of body experience when I first heard the theme song and it's called Mia and Sebastian's theme song. Mia and, Seba- Mia and Sebastian are the main characters And it's this song that Sebastian, again, one of the main characters, um, that he plays on the piano. And when I heard this song, I instantly knew. I was like, this is the song I want to play. I've been searching for a song that I want to play on the piano now that I've wrapped up my last song. And when I heard this song, I knew that's the song that I want to do. Like, period. That's like, there's no other decision. That's what I wanted to play. And it was just such an amazing experience because it it clicked, that song clicked with me and immediately I wanted to play it. It was honestly the best way to describe it. It was like watching myself listen to the song, like everything's in slow motion, I'm hearing it and it's just clicking. So now I'm playing the theme song on the piano and I've been playing it for, since I watched the movie actually, literally the morning after I woke up and I was so excited to play the song because that's how much it resonated with me and I've been playing it for four or five days now. 
ever since I watched the movie, basically. And I have been playing, I would say I play this song for like 20 minutes a day. And 20 minutes a day playing an instrument like the piano, it doesn't sound like a lot of time. You would think that a very skilled pianist, not that I'm a skilled pianist, but a very skilled pianist would play piano hours a day. But honestly, sometimes all it takes to master a song or to make great improvement is only 20 minutes. And that was really interesting because normally I practice the piano for like two minutes a day. I'm not even lying. I hope my piano teacher never listens to this episode because that would expose me. But I don't practice for a very long time. I probably play the song twice and then I'm done. But with this song, I've been sitting down, I've been repeating parts, I've been doing hand exercises, you know, playing hands separate, then together, then running through a couple measures like 10, 20 times just to master that certain part. That's how much I'm dedicated to this song. So it's really interesting when you have that song, how it kind of changes your mindset, how you practice, but the improvement that I can see in myself has been astronomical just playing 20 minutes a day. And that's just something I've noticed. Anyways, that wasn't really the main part of what I'm getting to here. Um, I just wanted to go over my journey with piano a bit in case you're interested in starting piano. I feel like starting an instrument, you don't have to start it when you're really young because it's not, and I wanted to talk about this idea later in the episode, but I guess I'll just mention it now very briefly. Learning a language and playing an instrument are kind of similar, but the reason that they're very different also at the same time is because playing an instrument, you can start learning an instrument at any point in your life. And I feel like, in my opinion, with my experience, I feel like it'll still be the same difficulty. Whereas learning a language requires so much more memorization and just understanding that the earlier you start, the way, the more easy, the easier it becomes. I don't know why, what I was trying to say there. But that's an idea I wanted to talk about later. But I started playing piano when I was seven in second grade. And you'd think I've been playing, now I'm 16, so I've been playing for nine years. You'd think that I'm really good at piano. Let me tell you, I am not really good at piano. I'm probably average, I would say. And that's okay, because again, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but when you're doing your hobbies, you don't have to be the best at it, which is something a lot of people struggle to understand. But I am not the best. I'm just average, and that's okay. But I feel like it's about finding those songs that you love to play, because when you love to play an instrument, it really shows through your hand movements and just the way you carry yourself, your volume, and you can just tell when you love to play a song versus when you kind of like to play a song. And when I started playing piano, I actually did not like it at all. I would always fight with my mom because my mom used to play piano and so She would help me if I had questions and then we would always get in arguments because I would just get so frustrated and sometimes this still happens, not this, but what I'm about to say next still happens when I get so frustrated when I can't get something right, I just slam my hands on the keys. That doesn't happen that often, but when I was younger, I used to do that all the time when I got angry, just in the middle of the song, I would just slam my hands down on the keys, but I think this pattern of not practicing for a long time has definitely 
developed since my childhood because when I was younger, again, second, third, fourth grade, I would practice for probably five minutes, 10 minutes max a day. And 10 minutes is like a long time for playing the piano. Like it seems like a short time, but it's actually a long time. So that has kind of stuck with me. And I also, because I played, I played for this one woman and it was like her own company. And then I moved to this piano company that my brother also plays at. And when I played for her, I did recitals at different places. I actually did recitals at an elderly home or assisted living home. I said elderly home. Assisted living, I meant. But now at the piano company, I just do recitals for like all the other people in that company, like the parents and the other pianists and stuff. And recitals are actually very nerve-wracking and I never play as well during a recital as I do at my own house because there's no stress when you're playing by yourself, you know. When I'm playing at a recital, it's often, actually no, it's basically 100% of the time on a grand piano and grand pianos, they're not hard to play on, but they're definitely different from a typical piano because the music, the sheet music is tilted upwards a little bit. So if you don't have your song memorized, then you kind of have to look up and it's just different. You know, you're changing the way your mind works and your brain works on a grand piano. So I feel like that's part of the reason I don't play as well as recitals. But yeah, I actually do enjoy playing the piano now. I feel like I've grown to really like it, especially when I find those songs that you just get really good at and you can just basically play them from memory. Those are my favorite types of songs. But that's kind of my journey with the piano. Some songs I can play are, these are the songs that I'm like really good at. There's more songs, but these are kind of my favorites and the ones I can play really well. Um, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. I played this for a recital. I was really good at it and then I stopped playing it for a long time so I kind of forget how to play. There's this song called Canoeing and I forget who it's by. It's in this piano book I have in this song called Winter Painting which I really like by Nancy Faber and then Sonatina in C Major Opera 55 number one by Friedrich Kulau or however you pronounce his name. I know I didn't pronounce that right, but I have grown to become really good at this song and there's all these different scales and I can just do it really fast and I really like playing that song. And then this song is the first song I truly, honestly, it's like the only song I really memorized. Like I can play it in my sleep. In the Hall of the Mountain King by Peter, is it by Peter Tchaikovsky? I, maybe. I actually know, maybe it's by a different Peter, I forget. But I have pretty much mastered the song. I can literally play it in my sleep. I don't have to look at the piano to play the song. I also, another fun fact about me related to instruments is I used to play the clarinet in middle school and I was actually good at it, but I didn't really like it. So now I just play piano. But that's just my personal journey with the piano and kind of a lead into the main subject of this episode, which is that everyone should play an instrument because there's so many valuable skills playing an instrument gives you. And I feel like you don't really think about it until you're actually playing and you realize how far your brain has developed and how much more intelligent you've become or how you can do certain tasks more quickly now because of that skill of playing piano. And this isn't something that I've noticed very clearly, but I would say if I'm just 
comparing it, I'm like, yeah, I do have really good memorization skills and that can all be drawn back to playing an instrument. Now, a lot of this episode, I think you could connect it to most instruments, but obviously since my primary instrument, or basically the only instrument I play right now is the piano, a lot of what I'm saying may be just more specifically pertain to the piano, but you could probably connect it to other instruments as well. In general, though, instruments are like playing an instrument. It's like a workout for your brain. I feel like this is such a cliche, like a workout for your brain. What do you even mean by that? But it really forces your hands, your eyes, and your mind to all work together. And that can be connected to hand-eye coordination. And there's so many skills it gives you related to the brain. It improves your memorization skills, hand-eye coordination, reaction time, and problem solving and or critical thinking. And if you're thinking about reaction time, you're like, what do you mean by reaction time? When you, what I mean by reaction time is, this is something I've noticed a lot, especially, but when you play a wrong note, again, this is kind of more piano just because of my experience, but when you play a wrong note, your mind instantly is like, that doesn't sound right. And you have to correct it quickly or else you have this long pause in between notes where the audience or whoever or even you it's like okay this is obvious I messed up here and everyone notices it so if you play a wrong note you really just have to shift your hands quickly or go back to the beginning of a I don't know I just lost the word beginning of a sequence or phrase or whatever to play it again And if your foot is on the pedal and the pedal is when you hold it down, it kind of elongates the notes and connects them all together. It's very pretty when you play songs with the pedal, but you kind of have to ease your foot off the pedal because that sound, the wrong note you played, like rings through with the pedal because that's what the pedal does. It makes notes last for a really long time. So that all happens in a split second that you have to correct your hands. And, you know, again, that's connects to the hand-eye coordination where your brain is telling you my hands are not in the right place and you have to move them. More specifically with hand-eye coordination, when you're reading music while making your hands move to the spot in the piano, that is a really difficult thing to do because a lot of times pianists, especially, especially me, are tempted to just look at your hands while you're playing a really difficult, a really difficult chord or something and you have to stretch your fingers an octave which is eight notes on the piano and that can be kind of difficult especially when you have to move your hands all over the piano in a really short amount of time and so you're tempted to watch your hands to make sure they don't land on the wrong spots but then if you don't have your music memorized it's like okay well then what are the next notes and then you're just looking up and down from the keys to the music over and over again so I feel like you really have to master, in order to play a song successfully, you have to master the skill of hand-eye coordination, reading the music while making your hands move to the spots on the piano. Another skill, memorization, this is kind of obvious. You memorize notes and patterns just by reading them constantly. In the Hall of the Mountain King, I mean, I have that memorized, but I couldn't tell you what the notes are to the song. I can just play it on the piano, and that's something that is called, or it's known as muscle memory, which I'll talk about later in the episode. That's another really cool thing about playing piano. 
Piano is specifically muscle memory is really prominent. The last sort of skill, problem solving and critical thinking, reading the ledger lines. And ledger lines are, when you have a musical staff, those are the little lines that the notes are on. Um, you have to figure out what you did when the music sounds weird. So if you're like, oh, well, this chord, it looks like I'm playing the right notes, but it sounds off. What am I doing wrong? And so you kind of have to correct that. And maybe it's because you're playing a sharp instead of a flat or you are playing the regular note instead of the sharper flat, something like that. That kind of connects with reaction time where you have to correct it very quickly. But those are some benefits to your mind. And I truly feel like especially when you do start younger, because I'm, you can definitely start older, like I said earlier in the episode, but when you do start younger, those skills really show up in school when you're memorizing a lot of stuff. I honestly, I think, I don't know, I have, my memory I think is pretty good because what how I learn when I study is I just say things out loud and by saying it out loud, it sticks in my mind So I do think I have a good memory and who knows, maybe part of that comes from playing the piano. That definitely could have a role in that. Another thing about playing piano or playing an instrument in general, excuse me, it makes you better at reading because again, you're reading the music and when you're reading musical notes, there are no letters, there's nothing like that, there's nothing of any actual language. It's a whole nother language to read music. So It really does make you read quicker and read better because you're reading the music and playing as you go. Again, it exercises your brain. This is going to sound a little weird and don't judge me for saying this. Don't think I'm weird when I say this, but when I'm playing a difficult song that I've never played before, I honestly sometimes sweat. And again, don't think that's weird. Don't be like, oh my god, this girl does not get enough exercise. She's sweating when she's playing a piano song. It just, it's because it's making your mind work so much and you're concentrating so hard that you just, you start to sweat a little bit. And maybe that's just me. And maybe if you play the piano, you're like, that has never happened to me. But I feel like it makes sense. I feel like if you're thinking about when you're concentrating on something in school really hard and you're really trying to think about it. Maybe you get a little droplet of perspiration on your forehead. Maybe, just maybe. But yeah, if I'm playing a difficult song that I've never played for the first time, especially when I'm getting frustrated with myself for not playing it correctly, I can sometimes sweat a little. And hopefully that's not too weird. Um, The other thing, another benefit of playing the piano it's a hobby to relax you. I feel like sometimes we forget, again, like I've said, that your hobbies don't have to be something you're amazingly good at. They don't have to be something that you have to always succeed in. They can just be things that you do for fun with no stress, low-risk hobbies. Playing an instrument is a low-risk hobby. It's meant to relax you. Sometimes when I'm stressed, you just need a break. Like if you're doing schoolwork and you're just getting really overwhelmed, just take a break and go play an instrument because it gives your brain something else to do and it kind of distracts you from whatever else is going on. And that's another benefit. That doesn't have to distract you from only, you know, academic things. It could distract you from personal things, whatever. But 
I feel like the piano is definitely, or an instrument, is definitely a great way to get your mind off whatever is bothering you. This is kind of a, kind of a shallow benefit, but it's true. If you play an instrument, you seem cool. And again, you're probably thinking, oh my god, like, who cares about other people's perceptions of you? But it is an added benefit. Every time I see someone playing an instrument, I'm like, they are so cool. They can play the guitar. That is so cool. Like, it just makes you seem cooler. It adds a layer to your personality. At my school, or there's this building that houses some of the classes that my school offers, there is a piano there. And, well, it's not a piano, it's a keyboard. But I, one time, this was actually recently, this was before winter break, I brought my piano books to the keyboard and I just started playing my music. And I was having a good time. I was playing for, I would say, a good 20, 25 minutes. And it's just so relaxing. And I was kind of getting in the zone. And my friend was there with me and she was like, Mayla, people are looking at you as you're walking by. And not that that's important, but it does make you seem cooler because it adds another layer to your personality. And not to mention, it's another great thing to talk about with other people when you don't know them. You just talk about your instrument you're playing. So that's just a little added benefit. Okay, here's kind of what I want to talk about with the language, how it's similar to learning a language. It's similar to learning a language because it is a language in itself, right? Like I said, there's no letters. You just have to learn the notes and how your hands move and strategies just as you would with a different language. But again, it's different from a language in the way that I don't think it's harder to learn as you get older because it's definitely, I think you can start at any age. I truly believe that. And maybe there's scientific evidence or whatever to contradict what I'm saying. But in my opinion, my humble opinion, based on absolutely no research, I think that you can start learning an instrument at any age and it's just, it increases in difficulty just like a language does the more you learn, but I don't think it increases in difficulty based on your age. And I think I just said the same thing like five times, but hopefully you got the main idea of that. That's just my take on that. I want to talk about, next I want to talk about the concept of muscle memory when playing an instrument. This muscle memory is something that applies to all instruments. So this isn't just me talking about the piano here. Muscle memory, the best way I can describe it, and it really is an incredible feeling. Like when you get muscle memory when you're playing a song on the piano, the clarinet, the trombone, whatever instrument you play, it really is an amazing feeling. And that is when your hands move without thinking. You're not registering what notes there are, and your brain isn't really registering the notes. You don't even need the music because you've played the song so many times that your hands just naturally move to those spots on the keyboard or those spots on your instrument. And that's really cool to me. I mean, I honestly can't comprehend muscle memory, but when it happens, it's like, wow, I've played this song so much. I don't even need to read the notes because my hand just knows where to go without thinking. 
and I was doing some research on the science behind this. I was like, what, what is muscle memory? And I actually don't have the research written down, so I'm kind of trying to remember it right now. I think it was something about how your brain or the neurons take like the same pathways in your brain so they become well developed or something and I don't, it just becomes easier. That's like the worst definition or the worst explanation I could have given and it's probably wrong but that's what I remember and I think I'm twisting what I read but something along those lines. If you want to understand muscle memory better, it's like when you're typing. You type so much that you know where all the keys are. You don't have to think. You don't have to look down and be like, okay, where's the W? Let me find it. You're just typing. Like, you have your ideas and your fingers are just moving without thinking. It's also like with running and walking. When you learn to walk, which is like as an infant, you learn to walk. You don't have to tell your brain, okay, pick up my leg. Now we're going to bring it down put my foot on the ground, and we're going to do it now with my other leg. You just do it. You don't even have to think. That's exactly how muscle memory with playing an instrument is. You just play the song without even thinking. The song In the Hall of the Mountain King, which I've mentioned many times throughout this episode, but I have that song memorized, even though I don't play it much. If you don't walk for a long time, let's say you break your leg and you don't walk for a couple months without crutches, you still remember how to walk when you start walking again. It's not like you tumble down to the ground and you're like, oh, forgot how to do that. Let me restart. You know how to walk and your brain still remembers how to walk. That's the same thing with an instrument. You don't play the song for a long time, but once you have that muscle memory and your brain remembers it, you're brain remembers how to move your hands in order to play that song, you could go months without playing it and you'll still be able to play it pretty well. And I don't play in the Hall of the Mountain King that much. I probably play it once a month just for fun, just to tell my friends, hey, do you want to hear this song? I know how to play on the piano. So even though I don't play it much, I still have it memorized and I still can play it very easily. And that's because I just played it so much that I don't need the music at all. I don't even know where the music is. And it's weird to think about this, but if I had the music in front of me, it would be more difficult to try and sight read the notes while playing with my hands than to just play without the music. Because I don't even know what the notes are. I just know the movements. And that's a crazy concept for me to wrap my mind around. And it probably is crazy for you to wrap your mind around because it's so weird how our brains work in that way. I actually played in the Hall of the Mountain King at the assisted living home when I was playing for this woman in her independent like piano business. And I remember my dad was like, why don't you just bring your book just in case you forget? And I knew, I was like, I'm not going to forget. These hands will not forget how to play this song. But I was like, okay, okay, I'll take my book. Me being stubborn, I didn't want to take my book because I wanted people to know that I had it memorized. But I took my book and I had it closed. I literally didn't even have the music in front of me. 
And I just heard when I finished the song playing in front of these people, I just heard this one woman say, she didn't even have her music out. She was playing that from memory. And it was very funny to hear that. It was just like, yeah, I was playing it from memory. Just a little way to for me to show off in a subtle way. But it is really weird to see. Even now when I see other people who play the piano and they play it, they play a song from memory and it's like a really complex song. Or even if it's not a complex song, in the Hall of the Mountain King, the version that I played is not complex. But just seeing it is an incredible feat and just watching someone do that really shocks you, honestly. And muscle memory is honestly so fun because when you play a song so much, your fingers are flying, you can just do it without thinking. And I'm playing this song, Sonatina in C Major. That probably is my second best song. I'm really good at that song and I can go really fast now and I can just play it without thinking. I've started to memorize it and maybe that'll be the next In the Hall of the Mountain King, which would be impressive because... The Sonatina and C major song is not an easy song to play. I played it for probably two months, two solid months before I mastered it. But the key, if you're thinking about this and you're thinking, oh, this concept of muscle memory sounds really cool and it would interest me if I played an instrument. The thing that I've learned is if you want to master a song, if you want to have this muscle memory with the song, you have to practice and you have to practice every day and you have to practice the song multiple times per day because if you don't practice then your brain doesn't remember your neurons or whatever don't form those connections and you will never truly truly master it you may be able to play it with the music and play it pretty well but you'll never be able to get to the point of muscle memory don't need the music if you don't practice every day like, even if you skip one day and you're learning this song, I honestly feel like it impacts me. Like, when I was playing the Sonatina and C major song and I would skip one day, I would be like, oh, I am not playing well today. Well, yeah, it's because you skipped a whole day of practicing and now your brain isn't forming those connections in order for muscle memory to happen. So that's just a lesson I've learned, a piece of advice if you're considering starting to play an instrument, and I really think you should. I mean, all of these benefits, there's no reason not to. Not only does it improve your intellectual capabilities, but it also is a nice hobby to have. It's something, a conversation starter, if you're like me and you never know what to talk about with strangers. Just play an instrument. I feel like everyone should play an instrument, just like I said in my other episode, which was... I think it was a collection of thoughts part two. Everyone should learn another language. Everyone should play an instrument because, again, playing an instrument is like knowing another language. Some other more miscellaneous pieces of advice I would give about playing an instrument or just commentary that I have. You can learn by your... I was going to say can't, but I was like, actually, you can. You can learn by yourself from tutorials on YouTube. You know, there's so much that the internet has to offer so if you did want to learn an instrument by yourself, you could definitely learn online from videos or take lessons because I really think taking piano lessons helped me master my skills because you need 
that person to give you input based on yourself. You can learn a song from a video, but in order to master it, master the technique and how it should sound, I feel like you really need that input from someone else. So if you don't have time or money to take lessons, definitely try to teach yourself from tutorials online. But I think lessons would be something good to invest in. Another thing I've learned, don't give up when it gets hard. And this is just a general piece of advice like, okay, blah, 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 we've heard this literally every aspect of our lives. But playing a song, especially on the piano, when you first start learning it, if you're not a naturally musically gifted person, which is what I am, like I'm not musically gifted, but I'm I'm not naturally musically gifted is what I'm trying to say. So if you're like me, then when you play a song, you can't just play it and master it right away. Like some people that have this crazy talent can. It's really difficult. That's called sight reading when you're playing it for the first time and you're trying to learn the notes, trying to learn the rhythms. So that's really difficult to do. And it's really challenging. It can often be a deterrent from getting you to finish the rest of the song. But don't give up on that. Don't just stop playing. Because once you master a song, it is so fun. And you'll just want to play it all the time. And it's just, again, that muscle memory is such a cool phenomenon that you want to experience. But you have to keep going. You have to push past that uncomfortable phase where you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound like the original version of the song. You have to push past those uncomfortable feelings in order to play the piano successfully or play an instrument successfully. So definitely don't give up. And when I say those musically gifted people, there are some people who are just so good at playing instruments and they could play like four or five instruments all really well. They read through a song once, like sight read it once, and they're good to go and they can just play it as they go. And it sounds like how I would have played it if I'd been practicing for months. Those people are out there. You may be one of them listening to this episode, but for the majority of us, we are average musical instrument players, and that's okay. You don't have to be exceptional to instrument to have fun, and you don't have to be exceptional or naturally gifted at an instrument, or anything for that matter, to be good at it and to excel at it. It just requires a little more work. Another benefit that I just thought of, of playing an instrument, is you can play your favorite songs on that instrument. I will hear a song and I'll be like, oh, I bet this would sound so good on the piano and this is one of my favorite songs. I want to be able to play it. And you can. You just find sheet music and for your instrument and print it off and there you go. Now you can play the song. That's exactly what I did with the theme song from La La Land. So that's just another added bonus. And when you know a song already, you know the rhythms because you've heard it on the radio or on your phone or whatever, it's one of your favorite songs, it's way easier to play because you already understand how it's supposed to sound. So when you're practicing and when you're trying to master your technique, it's just way easier to play. Something else, just a random piece of information, I feel like this this really is very specific to the piano. I don't know if other instruments experience this, but just speaking on my experiences, 
I know this applies to all piano players, but playing with one hand, like when I'm learning a song, I'll usually play with hands separate because when you're playing the piano, you have your left hand and your right hand and you have notes that both hands should be playing. And I feel like especially on the piano, playing with both of your hands at the same time is so insanely difficult. Again, especially when you're not just naturally gifted at musical instruments, it is so hard to play with both hands at the same time. It requires so much brain power and sometimes I'm trying to play and I'm thinking about it so hard that my brain just hurts. I just get a headache and that's just a random piece of information. There's not really any lesson or any advice I'm trying to give here, but it's just very interesting how how much brain power it takes to connect those two sides of our brain and play with both of our hands because you're just trying to control all these different muscle movements in two different limbs. And I don't know, that sounds weird when I say it like that, but it is true. It's really difficult. That's all I really have to say on the piano, playing an instrument, learning an instrument. Obviously, I would recommend highly recommend learning an instrument. But I thought it would be fun to share my La La Land theories because there are a lot of theories about this movie and every time I finish a movie, I always go and I Google theories, usually on TikTok or YouTube, and I just watch theories because I want to hear what other people have to say, how other people were feeling. I don't know if I talked about this movie in a previous episode, but I watched Don't Worry Darling and I had so many theories and I literally was on TikTok for like 30 minutes watching Don't Worry Darling theories because there's so many and everyone has their own ideas about symbolism in the movie and different themes and what the clothes and the props were supposed to mean and the colors. There's just so many theories. So here are some of my theories on La La Land. These are all my own. I didn't get them from the internet. I found some really cool ones about the color scheme and how the clothing and the color of the clothing that me and Sebastian wore kind of described their relationship. And it was like the mixing of primary colors and secondary colors or whatever, something like that. And I thought that was really cool. I never would have noticed that. But I'm not going to share it because it's not my theory. But I always wonder, like, I always wonder when I watch movies, do the colors play a role? Because La La Land, what I noticed was that it was very, very vibrant. Like, the colors of the clothing they wore, the colors of the backdrop, and just the setting. When you think of LA, no offense, you think of smog, you think of traffic, you think of kind of polluted air but you don't think of all these vibrant, lush colors, especially just because of the setting where it's located. But in the movie, there's all these colors. So anyways, I'll dive into that. Here are my La La Land theories. So upon a quick Google search, I realized, or I learned, not realized, La La Land is a nickname for Los Angeles, California. That happens to be where the movie takes place pretty interesting. But I think La La Land has a double meaning because La La Land is also a term for when someone is out of touch with reality. If your head is in La La Land, then 
you're not really focused, you're kind of distracted, you're just in your own fantasy world and you're not really down in the real world. So that's what La La Land means. In Los Angeles, the characters are in La La Land. They're physically there because, again, La La Land is another name for Los Angeles, but their heads are in La La Land because they think all their dreams can come true while still being together. And this was one of the prominent themes of the movie that I realized is that you kind of have to choose between love and success with your career, and sometimes you can't have both. In this movie, you really can't have both. And the characters are in La La Land, this is shown by these bright colors, and it almost had like a retro nostalgic vibe of the clothing. I was getting like 50s and 60s vibes with the colors of the clothing and the styles, and there were just a lot of bright colors. Um, in the opening scene, you know, there's bright colored cars. We have when they're going to the party, when Mia and her roommates are going to the party, they're wearing bright colored dresses. It's just everything is so bright and vibrant. It's like oversaturated. It's kind of like that delusion that they can be happy and everything's bright and colorful in their mind. They're not seeing the real bleak grays of the true world, of the real world. When Sebastian starts touring with his band, when he joins the band, he leaves Los Angeles. And that means that he also leaves La La Land because he's facing reality. He's out of La La Land because he's out of Los Angeles where he's in this, his head is in this La La Land space and he's facing the reality that his dream isn't going to come true because he still hasn't opened his jazz club and he's still on tour with his band and he's not really making true jazz music that he loves. When Mia, when her play is kind of a bust, she goes to her childhood home, and from my understanding, she leaves Los Angeles. I think, yeah, I think she leaves Los Angeles. So she's kind of giving up on her childhood dreams of becoming an actress when she goes back to her house. And when she does that, that's because she's left La La Land. She's facing reality. She's left this delusional space she was in. That's when the colors were really bleak and she was wearing muted tones, which I thought was also interesting. Everything kind of came back to the natural saturation of Earth. But then, when she comes back to Los Angeles after Sebastian talks her into being in that movie, she has hope again and she gets that acting gig in Paris. So she comes back to Los Angeles or La La Land where she thinks, you know what, I can achieve my dreams. I can do this. But then she leaves Los Angeles again to go to Paris and film that movie. And she's leaving La La Land and finally accepting that she can't have love and her dreams at the same time. And this is when she finally understands that concept that she can't achieve love and her dreams at the same time. She has to choose. She's not in La La Land anymore. And for both characters, it takes these trips out of La La Land or Los Angeles for them to understand this concept. And I feel like that was one of the central themes of the movies. And when I thought of that, I was like, by the way, I was typing this at like 1am when I finished the movie. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, La La Land, like Mia, Sebastian, this makes so much sense. My fingers were flying on the keyboard. And... A lot of the scenes, something else I noticed, is that 
a lot of the scenes are shot on tall hills or in the planetarium. So let's kind of go through that. When Sebastian and Mia kiss for the first time at the planetarium, we see them floating into the stars past the clouds. When you, st- when you tell someone your head is in the clouds, that's kind of symbolism of them. They were in the stars, their head are in the clouds, their minds are far above them. They are far above earth, far above reality. And again, the scenes with the tall hills in the background when they're dancing suggest their heads are in the clouds and they're in La La Land. Like, your head is in La La Land. Your head is in the clouds. That's what I understood or interpreted from that. My last theory is that in the first half of the movie, before the characters have left for their gigs and before they've left to face reality, there's musical singing and bursting into song and vibrant colors versus the second half of the movie and there's music but they're not bursting into song it's not like a musical vibe anymore that's something i really notice is that they start singing but it's like it's not musical singing you know and the movie kind of loses its magical musical touch a little bit because the characters lost that too by facing reality, by leaving La La Land. And so now they only sing in normal situations like normal people. Like when Mia was singing for her acting gig audition and when she and Sebastian were singing while playing that song on the piano. Like those are actual real life events where you might start singing. But like, dancing on top of cars, everyone getting out of their cars on the highway, like, that's not something that would actually happen. So, that's just what I noticed. That's how I interpreted the movie, and I think there's so many different interesting theories to be said about La La Land. It's such a complex movie, and it really is such an amazing movie. I love the theme song. I love the whole movie. So, yeah, I really enjoyed making this episode. Hopefully, I convinced you to start playing an instrument. You won't regret it. And hopefully, I convinced you to watch La La Land. The podcast website should be up soon. I am working on it. I will probably work on it right after I finish editing this episode. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you next time.